It's like a bad rash you just can't get rid of. Today starts a rash of central bank activities. The Fed is going to kick things off with likely a rate hike. The ECB is going to follow with likely a rate hike. And thereafter, the Bank of Japan with not a rate hike, but there was some talk the Japanese were going to hike rates anyway. So we're going to be up to our necks with rate hikes and rate hike rhetoric and higher for longer and dots and useless, worthless quantitative tightening programs. And most people are asking, do we even care? Should we care any longer? Because now that the the age of rate hiking is likely coming to an end or getting closer to an end, people are beginning to think about what's next. Now, central banks, what's next for them is higher for longer, more QTs. For the marketplace, the real marketplace, what's next is likely still a pivot. Lower interest rates and QEs if things get bad enough. Not that either lower interest rates or QEs will do anything about the bad situation that markets are still pricing. And we can see that bad situation, the deflationary recession, coming in a variety of ways. We can see it, first of all, in deflationary prices, mainly producer prices, but also more and more consumer prices. Disinflation in consumer prices around the world, as well as weak economic circumstances. We've got loan data to talk about today, which again suggests no, not, not inflation, the opposite of inflation. We've got interest rates. We've got the Chinese. Talked about them, them yesterday. They can tell you all about deflationary recession that they can see not just coming, but already at their front, at their front door. Not just in terms of economic weakness, but also China's currencies, as I mentioned yesterday. Along those lines, the Chinese government replaced, just replaced, it's the head of the People's Bank of China, formerly Yi Gang, who reached retirement age, so we knew he was going to be replaced. But who they replaced him with was somewhat of a surprise, though Pan Gong Sheng was installed as the Communist Party chief of the PBOC previously. But interestingly enough, Pan's claim to fame or his, his rise up through the ranks of the Communist Party got him to lead the, um, the China's foreign exchange regulator ever since 2016. And so for many in the Western media, maybe in the Chinese government too, he's known as the guy who supposedly rescued, importantly, the currency, the yuan, back in the 2015-2016 period. Nobody stops to ask how he managed to rescue the yuan, nor where was he in 2018 when CNY plummeted all over again, or last year for that matter. Because it's not about the currency. It's not about what Chinese authorities do with the currency, rather. Instead, these are euro-dollar cycles that are beyond the ability of regulators and governments to control. And why is that? Because the monetary system is not what they make you think it is. It's not about central banks and their rate hiking and QTs. It's an exogenous, from their perspective, monetary system that, that, that's the reason why we have these globally synchronized economic cycles. So Pan Gong Sheng didn't rescue CNY in 2016. The euro dollar turned into reflation. Therefore, it was susceptible in 2018 to renewed deflationary pressures, which likely would have caused a recession by 2019 and 2020, though we'll never know for sure. But here we are facing all the same circumstances and then some a much weaker economy in 2020, since 2020 than before 2020, all of it coming out more and more and more, even if it's not according to the timetable of most in the public. So what is going on beyond China? Loan data, interest rates, central bank activities, but first, 
I'm Jeff. This is Eurodal University. Thank you very much for joining me. If you're interested, Eurodollar University, we have memberships available where we talk about and discuss and go over and diagram and illustrate the monetary details of the Eurodollar system, which is a global reserve currency system, not the US dollar. What is it, what is it supposed to do and why isn't it doing what it's supposed to do? We also talk about the same things. I contribute a daily, a daily research subscription. Uh, the daily briefing at marketsinsiderpro.com, and of course, a daily deep dive analysis where we dive deep into all of these money and macro topics at the Eurodollar University website. So all the information, including anniversary pricing, which will be ready in the next couple of days at our, at our website, eurodollar.university. Central banks, one after another, after another. All the, the, the big three, though, if we, don't, if we don't count the PBOC, the big three Western central banks, Japan, the Federal Reserve, and the ECB, all going to talk about inflation pressures in their economy, maybe disinflation pressures, they might use that word. And they're probably not going to use the word deflation, though, importantly, that actually showed up in the Federal Reserve Beige Book for the first time in a long time in July, too. We can see it coming. Slowly, steadily, surely, the Chinese, as I've said, they can tell you all about the deflationary recession that they're facing, both internally and especially externally. Grim, I think the translation was. But we can see it in also all over the place, in other places around the world, starting with Europe. Europe, Europe's in a lot of trouble. In fact, the recession in Europe is far more clearly defined. What's missing for Europe is simply the deflation, which deflation being a, an interruption in the, in the free flow of money and credit through the economy, that we can see too. We just haven't seen the full effects on consumer prices. We have seen the full effects on producer prices and then some, as I've noted in recent videos too. But we can see it in terms of credit, lending, banking. What are banks in Europe up to? Or more importantly, what are they not up to? Well, they're not lending. The ECB... Uh, just released the results of its Euro Area Lending Survey for the second quarter, the bank crisis second quarter. And what they found was, not surprisingly, lending standards are still tightening, though not at the rate that they were in the first quarter. So lending, let's start with that. Banks reported a further net tightening of credit standards for loans to households in the second quarter of 2023. The net tightening was less pronounced than in the previous quarter for housing loans, while it was more pronounced for consumer credit. Uh-oh, big trouble for Europe's economy, which, noted before, Europe is already in recession. Now, it may GDP may be positive in the second quarter. In fact, it's likely to be positive in the second quarter, but that doesn't mean much. Recessions never go in a straight line, including in GDP. So Europe started out in recession. It might have a bit of a reprieve in the second quarter, and then it's going to be under renewed credit tightening and a credit crunch likely to get further into recession, not out of recession in the second half of this year, contributing mightily to China's woes and the global deflationary recession scenario that we're talking about underlying everything here. But it was worse than that. So banks are tightening lending standards in Europe. They do the same thing in the US, but they tighten lending standards in Europe, but demand for loans has absolutely plunged. Here's what this lending survey said about that. 
Euro area firms' net demand for loans decreased strongly in the second quarter of 2023, dropping to an all-time low since the start of the survey in, 20, in 2003, so 20 years of data. The decline was again substantially stronger than expected by banks in the, in the previous quarter. The net decrease in loan demand was the strongest since the start of the survey in 2003 for small and medium-sized enterprises, while the net decrease in demand for loans to large firms remained slightly more limited than during the global financial crisis. So not exactly a good comparison there. In addition, the net decrease in demand was the strongest over the history of the survey for long-term loans, long-term loans while demand for short-term loans decreased to a lesser extent, but still close to the historical low of the global financial crisis. And it raises a whole bunch of questions, starting with why is demand for loans dropping off so sharply? Now we understand uh, banks tightening lending standards, that's consistent with recession, but loan demand falling off, you would think that's interest rates. That's exactly what the ECB wants to see. Well, maybe not this, to this extent, but the ECB is hiking rates so that it can choke off demand and thereby choking off demand for credit. It will lead to less inflationary conditions. Well, it's getting the less inflationary conditions, less consumer price conditions, more deflationary conditions, but it's not interest rates. Before we talk about exactly why, we also got from the ECB the loan data for the month of June. So let's go over that quickly first. What, what we see is that total loans in Europe, they have slowed way down. In fact, they, they've really, and this is important, loans in Europe have really ground to a complete halt. They're not shrinking all that much, but lack of growth in absolute terms is a contraction. We need an economy needs lo loans to continue to expand in order for it to expand. So even if loan, the value and the, the aggregate value of loans outstanding is doing nothing more than going sideways, that is a contraction. And we only see this type of behavior in Europe, uh, in the modern Euro area, Euro, <laughs> in the modern Euro era, try to say that one, we only see that in 2011 and 2012 and 2008 and 2009. So banking crisis, recessions, loan growth grinds to a halt, which is an enormous contraction in nonlinear terms. ECB says total loans in June were just 1.36% greater than in June 2022. That's the lowest year-over-year -year change since May 2021, which understates the weakness because, as you can see in the chart, loan growth, again, it ground to a complete halt toward the end of last year. So even that modest 1.36% year-over-year gain, that's all in the first first few months of that uh, uh, look-back period. Um, loan growth, loans to non-financial corporations, NFCs, that's up 2.2% year-over-year, but that makes it sound much better than it is. Those have been stagnant to lower since October. Again, October keeps coming back up everywhere. Why? We got curve inversions in September. October was was maybe the official start of the recession in Europe, probably November, December. All of these things happened around October, November. We were warned as they were happening and banks stopped lending to non-financial corporations and non-financial corporations stopped demanding loans for whatever purposes. Was that because the ECB was aggressively hiking rates. Well, as I've said numerous times, especially comparing interest rates to quantitative tightening programs, rates since last October 
lending rates in particular have gone nowhere. In fact, lending rates have been relatively stable over the same, what, eight, nine month period. It really can't be interest rates, nor can it be the fact that rates moved up from where they ultra low levels where they were a year ago, because businesses are not gonna stop borrowing money if they have things to do for only a couple percentage points in interest. You go from zero to 2% and suddenly that chokes off the entire economy. It chokes off the entire demand for lending to, to a degree that the Euro area lending survey has never seen before, especially for small and medium sized enterprises. No, it's not rate hikes. These are recession and deflationary recession symptoms that are consistent with everything that we see in history. It's absolutely consistent with interest rate behavior that we've been talking about all along. And I don't mean central banks and their rate hikes. I mean low interest rates. Low interest rates have always signaled tight money and a bad economy, going back to Newt Wicksell. And to give you an example, a really good example of what I'm talking about, let's talk about the inverse. What would it look like if we were actually experiencing an inflationary period? What would the credit market look like? You might be surprised to, under, to, to, to find out that it's exactly the opposite of everything here. Um, let's, let's set the stage here first. Uh, let's go back to October, 1979. We'll do it in the US because I've got lots of data on the US. I've got lots of, lots of historical records on the US. We didn't have an ECB in 1979. So let's go back to the Federal Reserve in 1979, which was basically the height of the great inflation. So the best US example of an inflationary period, what did that situation look like? So this is October, 1979, right at the, basically the peak of the great inflation. We have the FOMC talking about the fact that inflation just reignited again. Um, this is Mr. Kitchline, Jim Kitchline, talking about the situation. And he says, on the inflation side, it's hard to find good news. The information obviously is that the producer price index and that shot up 1.4% in September. The increases were widespread, but particularly difficult as the food situation where we had anticipated some relief, sounds like Ukraine. Okay, massive inflation, consumer price inflation. It wasn't cost push inflation. It was the monetary variety, out of control banking. And we know that because in the very next segment of the discussion, with monetary aggregates running strong and a rather considerable amount of churning and pressures in the foreign exchange markets, the federal funds rate has drifted up. I'm sure Peter will go into more detail on that. And along with that, we've had some upward pressure on the other short-term interest rates. Rates are rising. In the long-term market, yields on high-grade corporate issues have reached record levels for the year, rising on the order of 11 basis points since the committee meeting. They are at the point where in the latest week, we estimate a new high-grade corporate offering at very close to 10.15%. High-grade corporates at 10%, apparently reflecting the worsening of inflationary expectations. So inflation at its peak, getting stronger, bigger pressures. Interest rates are rising. So according to what we're taught and told today, that means that credit must be plummeting, right? Interest rates up, inflation up, credit must be plummeting. No, the exact opposite. For the, for the month of September, we think that bank credit is going to grow at about a 19% annual rate as compared to 10 and 13% the previous two months. And we estimate that business loans in September grew at a 20% annual rate as compared with the average growth rate of 18% 
the two previous months. So banks have very actively searching out funds to finance these demands that they've been accommodating. And we have a, a, we've had a resumption of fairly sizable CD expansion in recent weeks, as well as continued large takings from the euro dollar market. This is pure Newt Wixel. This was when, when the situation is inflationary and nominally speaking, the economy is robust, banks don't necessarily, banks are actually okay about uh, interest rates and, and companies don't really care about interest rates either. Companies will pay higher rates if they think they have the nominal returns in the real economy available to them. They will borrow, banks will lend. As Newt Wixel said over a century ago, when interest is low in proportion to the existing rate of profit, and is if I if if as I take it the prices thereby rise, then of course trade will require more sovereigns and banknotes, and therefore the sums lent will not come back to the bank, but part of them will remain in the boxes and purses of the public. In consequence, the bank reserves will melt away while the amount of their liabilities very likely has increased, which will force them to raise their rate of interest. Exactly what they were describing in 1979 and nothing like what we're describing in 2023. Rates rise because there's competition for money in the nominal economy. Rates fall when there isn't competition for money. There is a lack of demand like we're seeing all across the global economy today. We're seeing def depression economics develop in markets, in lending, in China, basically everywhere. At the same time, of course, we've got this rash that we can't get rid of. Central bankers talking about inflation pressures, which they have no idea where, the, where, where they would even come from. As Jay Powell said last year, we understand how little we understand inflation. Well, no, they don't understand how little they don't understand inflation. They simply just talk about it and hope that it all works out for the best. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodal University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, huge thank you, Eurodollar University research subscribers, Markets Insider Pro research subscribers, and of course, one year anniversary, our Eurodollar University membership. My best to all of you, and until next time, take care. situation is inflationary and nominally speaking, the economy is robust. Banks don't necessarily, banks are actually okay about uh, interest rates.